You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Horn Frogs. It's Tuesday. We're starting the week. I hope you had a good Memorial Day. Um, Eric Hughes is with me here, and we're going to talk some CCU baseball. Eric works for uh, in-game productions for the Frogs, and man, we thought Eric would be working at Fort Worth Regional. Um, TCU won regular season title, won that title outright. Everything that needed to happen for them in the final weekend of the season happened, and an early exit in the Big 12 tournament went one and two, lost a couple games to Oklahoma State and Texas, defeated Baylor. But still thought, for the most part, they had a good enough resume um, to get in. But that was not the case. So, Eric, we'll get to the draw in a minute. But uh, I know the RPI was low, and that's kind of been the reason that's been given for the hosting snub. But what did you think about uh, the fact that TCU didn't get to host a regional, even though they ended up winning a conference title this year? That's a tough deal, man. I uh... – you know, when you when you win the conference of uh, conference that has the is the number three in the RPI uh, in the country, play some tough competition. Um, you know, you kind of expect that that you're going to be able to host. Um, personally, you know, I the the way the committee looks at it, they don't just look at the top 16 teams. I, I really don't necessarily see the Horn Frogs as a top 16 team right now. Um, so, you know, I, I wasn't necessarily as offended as a lot of, uh, TCU fans on Twitter were today. Um, but no, I definitely understand the frustration with it. Um, yeah, I think, you know, when it, just when it comes down to it, I was listening to the show this morning and, um, one of the things that, uh, one of the committee guys was talking about was, um, something that they looked at was, um, your wins against tough competition, you know, wins against top 15 teams. And, you know, the Horn Frogs did have a series win over Oklahoma state, but besides that, they, they, they weren't able to, to get a ton, rack up a ton of wins. They did play some tough competition outside of conference in Florida state, didn't get any wins there, played Kentucky uh, and um, Louisville weren't able to get any wins there. And so, um, overall, you know, I, I don't necessarily see this as a, as a big of a front as necessarily I think some people do, but certainly when you win, win your conference, uh, you're expecting to be hosting, but that's not the case this year. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I wasn't like up in arms about it. Um, I thought they would get the benefit of the doubt. And I said, that. I thought that up until like yesterday afternoon when I was looking at projections and pretty much nobody had, you know, TCU hosting. Yeah. Um, but the, they had some head scratching losses this year. I think they had a great run against Tech and Oklahoma State. They went five and one over those two weekends, and mm-hmm. they took they took care of business against the teams they should have in conference, and that's what won them a conference title. Um, but there were you know plenty of games this year that just didn't go their way, and you look at the resume and say, man, that that should have been a win. Um, so. I understand it. My bigger issue is what we'll talk about next. Um, And again, context here, baseball, uh, it it seems to be trending in a better direction, but for the most part, it's a non-revenue sport. And oftentimes when the NCAA is making a decision and committees making a decision about where to send people in sports like that, 
uh, a lot of it's about travel and trying to mm-hmm. limit travel, um, trying to put fans in the stands. But um, they got sent to the College Station Regional. And mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a great, <laughs> yeah, there's a great storyline there with Jim Sloshnagel, obviously being the former Frogs head coach. Um, AM's red hot. They're the number five seed, you know, national seed. They just were on an absolute heater to the end, to end the season. And, um, I mean, it's, it's going to be fun if, if TCU and Texas A&M match up, that's going to be fun. There'll be a lot of intrigue, but Eric, I mean, it's not in, in my mind, the bigger, the bigger, uh, gripe is not that they didn't host, but why did they not get sent to Georgia Southern or Gainesville where Florida is, you know, why do they have to get sent to the number five team in the country in Texas A&M? No, I, I, I mean, I'm totally with you, and I, I, I 100% agree. This is where it gets more frustrating to me. Um, it just – I tweeted out this out this morning. It's like the committee, the NCAA, they couldn't help themselves. You know, like yeah. they, this, this was like – this was just something that they couldn't – this was an opportunity that they couldn't pass up, you know. Um, and like you said, I, I get it, but uh, when it comes down to it, um, yeah, it's just – it's a little – it's a little frustrating, I think, to me. Uh, but like you said, there's a lot of it is tr- to do has to do with travel. I mean, that's why part of the reason DBU has been in Fort Worth for several different regionals throughout the years is, um, you know, they just match up. They're they're close. They're typically a two or three seed, so it works out. Um, but yeah, it, it almost just seemed like, I think I texted you last night once, once I saw that they, uh, it was revealed that TCU, that Fort Worth wasn't going to be a regional host. I mean, it was just like, you, you could just see it coming, you know, you knew that it was coming. And so, um, certainly is a fun story for, uh, it's a juicy story, I guess you could say for ESPN, uh, and, uh, who's going to be carrying those games. Uh, and I'm sure they'll squeeze every ounce out of it. Um, so, yeah. And, yeah, it, it, and it's also worth saying the rest of that uh, regional, Oral Roberts is the four seed, Louisiana is a three seed. And so TCU will actually play Louisiana in uh, the first-round matchup on Friday night. Um, and that's the team they played last year. They took two out of three from um, the Raging Cajuns. Of course, different teams, but it was on the road. They won that series mm-hmm. in non-conference play. Um, but talking about AM for a second, and then we'll sort of get to more big picture stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, like TCU knows Coach Slosh, they know how he approaches things, but it does seem like a pretty big advantage. I mean, if we're talking about scouting, like Jim knows these guys pretty well. I mean, he knows he knows like, every single player, <laughs> he knows the lineup, he knows the pitching staff. Like, I was that sort of just hit me this afternoon. Where I was, I was standing outside with my kids, and I was like, "Oh wow! Like he has a pretty good, pretty good read on everybody." So I don't know how much of a factor it's actually going to be, Eric, because I mean it's baseball; yeah. the players have to yeah. execute. But um, obviously, he has a ton of background on on this team. He doesn't really have to do a lot of homework. Sure, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, he you pretty much know. I mean, there's you know maybe a few couple of the freshmen that uh, he hasn't been with, but literally every other player. Uh, he pretty much knows personally, knows their tendencies, knows uh, strengths, weaknesses. And so, yeah, I mean, it definitely is uh, something that can come into play. Um, 
it is, it is just, I mean, that's a great point. I, I hadn't even thought about that, but um, I mean, A&M, they, they've got a, they've got a tough squad that, like you said earlier, they've been playing really well. I think uh, their lineup is going to be, um, their lineup is kind of what has been carrying them towards mm-hmm. the end of the season. They've been putting up a lot of runs. Um, they, you know, their pitching staff hasn't been necessarily great. Um, I would say they kind of, um, from what it seems like, um, just based off of um, just kind of checking, checking in here and there, uh, we'll ride just the starter a few innings and then bring in, you know, bullpen guy um, just to kind of uh, tide things over for two or three innings. Um, so that's, you know, something pota- potentially that, um, you know, TCU, if they match up against them, I should say, would, uh, you would hope that they would be able to take advantage, but um, no, they got a, they got a, good good squad down there um so it's gonna make for make for an interesting weekend yeah not a ton of depth in that rotation it looks like um and of course tcu has issues with that as well but uh it, texas a&m is not a team that has won a lot of games three to two this year um mm-hmm. one one name people might recognize micah dallas is part of that starting staff and he was in uh lubbock at texas tech for a few years faced tcu at various times so that's another connection Looking at the team itself, it, it's it's strange. I mean, they've been inconsistent, but at the same time, like they've won some huge games. Um, mm-hmm. But going into the postseason, what concerns you more, Eric? Is it the fact that, and you can go off book here. I'll just give you a couple options. But is it the mm-hmm. fact that this starting rotation is pre-jumbled right now? I mean, you really don't know what you're getting day to day. Or yep. is it um, – this lineup just seems to struggle uh, against good pitching. I think teams that throw strikes, teams that have um, arms with, you know, more electric stuff, plus stuff, whatever you want to call it, um, it, it's hard for this group to consistently produce runs. So what's your your biggest concern kind of going into postseason play? For me, it's, it's the lineup. Um, you know, I think – I, I'm not going to act like I know a ton about uh, Louisiana, uh, the Raging Cajun staff, but, you know, I, I don't, it just seems like that they haven't, especially um, big 12 games. They just weren't able to put up enough runs in order to win you games against good teams. You know, um, they've, they've kind of hung in there a little bit, but just haven't been able to put up, put up the run support, get the runs, uh, especially just in the college game that, that you need to win, to win games. And so I think um, honestly, where I think, where I see this going good or badly for, for TCU is, is kind of your four, five, six guys, your guys, um, Curtis Byrne, uh, David Bishop, and um, those kind of guys, you know, like you're going to need Luke Boyers, like you're going to yeah. need two out of those three guys to to do something for you and to to help you out to produce some runs because you know what you're going to get from Tommy Sucker you know what you're going to get from Braden Taylor um, Elijah Nunez is going to you know get tough and bats get on base but those three guys when when TCU has been winning games it's been because of those guys one or two of those guys have have come up in big spots and so uh, TCU really is going to need at least two of those guys to have good weekends if they want to advance uh, down in College Station. Yeah, if David Bishop get out of his funk, that would be huge. I mean, he's been 
struggling as of late. Um, some of that I think is probably just the grind of a college season for a freshman. Uh, we saw that with Luke Boyers last year too, but um, yeah, he's, he's had some tough at bats lately. You're right. The, the depth in that lineup is, is lacking a little bit. Um, turning over to the starting rotation, I guess if you're an optimist, you could say they have a lot of options. Like they have a number of guys that they could put out there um, <clears throat> to try to give you some innings, but you know, Raleigh Cornelio, it seemed like things were trending in the right direction, and then he really struggled mm-hmm. against Oklahoma State. Um, Marcelo Perez settled in after giving up three-run homer to Texas. Unfortunately, that was kind of the difference in the game. But mm-hmm. who do you trust the most right now to make a start for this TCU team in, in a big game or in a big moment? That's tough, man. I mean, there hasn't been a ton of consistency. There's been some injuries, and so – you know, I think uh, Marcelo has been pretty solid all season. I, I really do tr- think that uh, Riley Cornelio uh, can 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 bounce back. Um, I think, you know, you, you'll, you're going to see probably one of those two guys the, on Friday um, against Louisiana. Um, if it's me, I think I go with Marcelo on Friday. Um, trust him to uh, – keep those guys to three, three runs or less. Hope your lineup can produce more than, more than that. And then um, I'm going with, uh, you know, you're hoping you can get that win. And then if you do against A&M, go with Riley Cornelia, who is a little bit more um, strike, has more strikeout potential, is able to uh, potentially, if he's on, dominate the game a little bit more. And so I think that's how I would um, have things shape up. Um, I think, Marcelo has been more consistent, I would say, but Riley has just that that more that higher ceiling of he can go out there and give you, you know, seven innings of one or two run baseball um, against a really good lineup. Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, I, I think you're rolling the dice a little bit, but if if you're going to get out of this regional, it's because Riley Cornelio gave you a great start, um, and mm-hmm. you know Marcelo is going to get his chance, and he's been. Fantastic. We'll get to some kind of awards later, but I think you could actually make a case that Marcelo might be the most valuable guy on the team this year, just the way he's sort of stopped the bleeding at times. But um, Riley is when he's on, it's it's just different. You know, you saw that, that stretch Mm -hmm. starting with the Baylor series where he went four or five weeks and looked like the type of guy that could, you know, be the ace of a staff. Um, Mm -hmm. One quick question. And, and, I didn't put this on our notes, so sorry to kind of blindside you here, but what, if any, role do you think – like, what – how does Austin Crowe sort of fit in here? I know they've tried, you know, the bullpen angle. They've, they've tried throwing him in some different situations. Um, yeah. What do you see his role being this upcoming weekend? Because I, I can't imagine he, he makes a start unless, you know, you get into like a game five situation. But uh, he's yeah. he's been around a little bit coming back from the injury. And it just seems like they're still trying to figure out what they want to do with them. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I think, um, you know, I think he's he's back um, fully uh, physically. I think there is a little, and this is just total, you know, speculation. I, I don't know anything um, extra about this, but um, it seems to me like there's maybe something mentally there that just isn't, that he doesn't have that full confidence like he did last year when he was, uh, really dealing. And so 
I don't think uh, you want to see, I, I think he'll probably be in a bullpen role. Um, I don't think you want to see him because of that. Um, if that's the case, I don't think you want to really use him uh, in a game that you're playing against A&M where their crowd is going to be going bonkers. Um, so I think potentially, you know, if, if, Whoever the Friday, I think TCU has the Friday night game, actually. Yeah. Um, whoever whoever plays or if whoever the starter is on Friday, if they're, you know, in a bind struggling, I think you could maybe see Austin coming in um, to try and get through some of those middle innings if necessary, if needed. Um, I just don't really like that matchup of him coming in um, with the, with the Aggie fans going bonkers down there, uh, just with the way he hasn't seemed like he's been fully confident. So I think, um, you know, Kirk will probably like to use Luke Savage in a game. If the frogs are playing AM to where a guy that has, is really just feeling himself and, um, has shown that he can get big outs in big situations. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's how I would use him at least. So speaking of Kirk, uh, not to rehash it too much, but if you watch the DCU-Texas game in the Big 12 tournament, there was a balk called on Luke Savage um, that Coach Charlotte didn't agree with. He went out and voiced his opinion. Uh, you know, he and the umpire had some words. As he was walking back, he made a signal to intentionally walk Ivan Melendez, and apparently the umpire thought this gesture was directed at him and didn't take kindly to it and threw him out. Um so he got thrown out of the game. Uh, Kirk was like packing up his stuff and getting ready to uh, get out of the dugout. And I guess it took a little too long for the NCAA's liking. So they suspended him for two games. He served game one of that suspension in the Oklahoma State elimination game that they lost. So now he has to serve this uh, final suspension um, on Friday. And what we thought might be a 1 4 matchup is now a 2 3 matchup. Bill Mosiello is going to step in. He's been around forever. I understand that. He's a hitting coach. So, you know, your pitching coaches um, in Winkler and Perk are going to have to, you know, step into that role a little bit. But um, just your thoughts, Eric, on being without coach. I mean, we all know it's it's a dumb situation, right? Like, we understand that. But bottom line is he's not going to be out there. Um, just mm-hmm. the effect of him not managing against Louisiana and how that sort of affects the, the end game situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily see it as um, a, a game changer, I would say, you know, I mean, I think both all the all the guys on the staff have have been here, they kind of know, they know the deal, they have good relationships with the players, of course, Kirk's going to be game planning with those guys. Um, you know, as we speak, you know, they're, they're prepping this whole week. And so I don't necessarily see it as a um, as something that, you know, would tip the scale, certainly. Um, the guys, they know what they got to do. Um, yeah, I, I do think it is a little, it, 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 you know, you said it, it, it's, it's a, I don't get it, you know, really. I don't, I don't, I don't get it, but it is what it is. A decision has been made, but um, yeah, I think, I think the, the, the guys on staff, uh, Kyle Winkler, Bill Moziello, they, um, they're professionals. They, they know how to put their guys in position to win. And I think, I think TCU will be fine from that standpoint. Okay, Eric. Uh, so the regular season's over. We're heading into postseason. I, I asked you this in the middle of the year, but I'll ask it again. 
who is your MVP for TCU baseball um, as as we enter the postseason here? Yes, sir. It can only be one in my mind, Mr. Tommy the Tank Sacco. <laughs> um, dude has just been literally from the beginning of the year, like has been outstanding. Um, and I don't know if you want to get into this in a second or not, but just after, I mean, he hit 230 last year. Um, he's hitting 350 this season, basically leads the team in every single, you know, shy of maybe a couple, uh, offensive statistics, leads the team in home runs, RBIs, OPS. Um, the guy has just been consistent all year, played, played solid defense. Um, yeah, it's just a, it's a cool story coming from just being the worst hitter on the team last year to being the best hitter on the team so far this year. And so, um, yeah, that's my 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 MVP um, uh, award has got to go to Tommy Sacco. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I mean, we, we can get into it. The transformation has been incredible. Like you mentioned, he was hitting the nine hole last year. He was struggling at the plate. Um, and I think that affected his defense, too. Like, I, I feel like it just sort of mm-hmm. affected his whole game. And now, you know, he's playing, like, high-caliber defense at short. Um, and just mashing the ball. And, like, I don't even really feel like even on days where he's not getting hits, he finds a way to get on base. And I just – he doesn't have bad ABs. Like, there's not really times where you're like, oh, man, he – you know, he he had a bad approach there. Like, I I think on – this is a very specific situation, but I remember on uh, Wednesday, you know, they're playing Baylor and – Nunez drew like a five pitch walk and Tommy jumped on the first pitch and he flew out to center. And so I was a little confused because like, you know, Helton was having trouble finding the plate, but also like, he's been so good. I was just like, okay, I guess it was probably a pitch he thought he could handle and just, you know, didn't get it there. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I I don't know, Eric, what your insight is on it, but I'm not sure what's clicked for him this season, but um I mean, he's, he is somebody that's really benefited from sort of this extra year of eligibility and just having a chance mm-hmm. to kind of kind of hone his game um, at the college level. Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily have anything groundbreaking, but I, I do – I've heard that he just kind of, after last season, like he – it was his worst, you know, expectingly it was his worst season of his life that he had ever played in baseball. And so he had to kind of reset and took – took some time away from from baseball just like which he said I I read that he had took the most time ever that he had taken away from baseball and so just mentally like he was just stuck in a rut last year and so uh, it's amazing how uh, just getting reset mentally and then and then putting in the work putting in the work physically putting in the work getting getting in the getting the rear reps in in the in the fall in the winter I mean um, he worked hard, and so um, it's just cool to see see a guy like him to have such a bounce back season. And he went from hoping that he could squeeze one between first and second base to expecting uh, a hard hit ball every single time he's up the bat. And so, um, yeah, pretty cool for him to have a season like this. And frogs needed it. They did for sure. Um, 
so that'll do it for today. Eric, thank you as always. Uh, we're excited sure. for TCU baseball in the postseason. I'll quickly say, and this is not the smoothest transition. There's no real great way to, to say this, but I didn't want to get out of here without saying um, some really sad news in the world of TCU athletics today. Uh, former Frog cornerback Jeff Gladney passed away in a car accident um, uh, early Monday morning, late Sunday night. And so I, I just wanted to say, you know, we're praying for peace and comfort for his family. Um, Jeff had just gotten a second chance with the Arizona Cardinals. He was on their roster and was getting an opportunity to play in camp. But honestly, like the football part of it is not really even the most important thing. You know, it, it, the young man lost his life, which is just tragic. So um, prayers to the Gladney family. Uh, very sorry to hear about his passing. Only 25 years old. Just a a horrible situation. Um, and I know there's really nothing I'm going to say here that, uh, really puts it into perspective, but you know, I, I was just bummed out, um, to hear that news. And I, I saw some, uh, former players kind of reflecting on, um, his life a little bit on social media. So I know it's, it's a tough day for the TCU family. And with that, uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. And this is locked on horn frogs.